Welcome to the So You Can Relate podcast. At one point, I'll be like, yeah, the times that I have cut out gospel, no, cut out non-gospel music, secular world music, whatever from my life for like a month because I need to draw near. <laughs> I really do draw near. Yeah. I- I really do. I really do. Oh, really? I do. I draw near. I get better or whatever better is. You know what I mean? And and then I'll do it for like a month or so at a time. And usually during these times, I'll be off social media, especially since starting the podcast. I would only really go on to like upload stuff on our page or to promote or whatever. Then I'd go away again and um, I would come back slowly. So I'd say, OK, for the whole of July, no circular music. It's not like August 1st, I'm back on my whiz kid. Like I'll be back on right. maybe August, maybe August 9th. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while because it feels so wrong to play that first thing on August 1st. You know what I mean? My spirit yeah. isn't really, isn't really there yet. So it takes it's a, not ready for it, yeah. Ready for the non for the non-gospel. So it takes a bit of time for me to eventually get there. Then I'm there and I start to settle in a bit more. But I have found a certain type of music that I I've just like gone away from more and more and more over time mm. that isn't gospel like obviously there's, there's different genres outside of gospel music as well I always talk about how much I love neo soul how much I love contemporary R&B or whatever I love yeah. I'm not really into like trap music I'm not really into drill I'm not really into like new hip-hop and stuff like that I just feel like mm. lyrics, they just don't sit right with me like do you go on Instagram sometimes and you watch like a makeup video and you just hear the song and you're like what is this some hood music in the background I honestly get you like and this is the thing I'm sorry to cut you off I can't like I can't sit here and be like oh I don't listen to that music because you know I'm just pursuing Christ and all of that I I genuinely hate it like I feel like even if I wasn't a Christian I would hate it I just don't like it all this you know what some drill songs I can kind of get with you know but a lot of like the American I don't trap like yeah. that kind of genre of music it really irritates me whenever I'm at party and I hear it I'm just like oh my god where's my I seat I know I know oh. that's such a grandma saying it like I feel like people hear us saying this and they think that we think we're superior that we're more than because not only are we Christians but also we don't like that genre right but it really is just it just hurts my ears sometimes I just don't <laughs> like that I like smooth music it's I'm yeah. like just jumping 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 on my eardrums so stuff like that if I can do a whole gospel fast or whatever yeah, I'm not going to go all the way down there when I come back to my circular. Like it's not, it's going to be something as close to gospel as possible, well, at least for me. And it tends to be mm-hmm. more vocals. I do listen to rap here and there, but I think even, even over the years, I've listened to less and less rap. I just like music that speaks positively. I like music that speaks about love. I like music that speaks about like, I don't know, <laughs> growth or whatever. Not all the time, yeah. but I realised I've, I've seen how my library has kind of changed over time and it's definitely straying from like, I don't know, like trap and drill and stuff like that. It just doesn't sit right with me anymore. No, no, I get you. I, I, I just find it, I find the beat and the vibe annoying. I guess it's not what I'm used to. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know what annoys me even more? When, like, I'm with people that love it. Oh, oh. my gosh. They'll That's how it. you know, like, the selection, the music selection is not going to change. Like, everybody's feeling it and it's a vibe. And I'm just like, no, yeah. take me back to my Afro beats. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just love it. Like, or R&B, I'm an R&B Afro beats girl. That's me. But, yeah. But I appreciate that, obviously, people really do like those songs. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. Yeah. 
So, are there any songs that like remind you of a particular time? Like, there's loads of songs that will remind me of first year. Yeah, of course. There are songs I can literally name a song for first, second, and third year that will just remind me of each year. Okay, give it to me. Tell me. Oh, okay. So, first year, um, Evergreen by Yabba. You know, oh, Yabba. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember literally it was like, Christmas time in first year and I even remember it was like the end of term so people had gone home for Christmas but some people hadn't and I literally found it on a day where like some Christian fellowship was having like a final like um little social thing before Christmas time and I was listening right. to it when I was getting ready and I listened to it when I was going there and I, I was like this song is so different I've never heard a song so interesting before so that's everything yeah. by ever second year um Oh, I'd say Another Life by D'Angelo. Oh, when I heard uh, that, I love D'Angelo. The Black Messiah album is so underrated. Like people obviously love Brown Sugar and all that jazz and voodoo, but yeah. um, Black Messiah or Judas and Black Messiah. No, Judas and Black Messiah. <laughs> Black Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is in my head. But yeah, that me, that song, second year, third year of uni. Um, oh, what song can I say? I think... Oh, maybe I can't think of one for that. Oh, no, I can. The Recipe by Sir. Oh, my goodness. I love a bit I of Sir. I don't even know that song. Oh, please, Joyce. You need to go and do your research <laughs> now. I feel like you'll like Sir. I feel like if you like, you know, contemporary R&B and just like vocals yeah. and stuff, I think you'll really, really like Sir. The Recipe by Sir. I was so obsessed with that song. As in, I almost wrote an essay. In fact, I could show you now in my drafts. I wrote... <laughs> I wrote a mini essay as to why I love that song so much. It's called Why I Love the Recipe by Sir. See? <laughs> why I Love the Recipe. <laughs> I said, no, I someone got enough. <laughs> that song bangs. Um, yeah, I love it. So those are the three songs. And I actually remember, quick tangent, I was going to go to his concert and it would have been like my last concert before lockdown too, but I forgot to get the ticket. I was busy and I missed out on it. Anyway, so yeah, those are my three songs that I remember first year second year third year what are yours for me um it's mainly songs that like what loads of people were playing and I'll just hear like in first second and third year um for first year it would probably be um there's several though there's hurting me Steph London oh yeah (laughs) oh my gosh that was playing all the time oh my god there was the Cardi B song um is it called Kodak oh Bodak Yellow oh my gosh remember that song that was everywhere. Ridiculous. Oh, Absolutely wow. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, one another song that they just kept overplaying was um, I don't want a dead no beef. I don't want to sort oh, it. Yeah. Uh, what song is that again? They wouldn't leave that song. What's it called again? It's Dave and Mistak. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. Wow, yeah. Um, so those are like a lot of first year songs. All the clubs they used to play, all the songs they used to play in the club, and everyone would get That's so hyped. <laughs> you remember that time one time when we went out and they were playing high school musical <laughs> oh yeah i had the time of my life that day i have a video, <laughs> have a video. yeah we were dancing to soaring um from break um, no breaking free from high school musical one yes and yes it was me that was filming and i literally spun one of my friends at one of the points <laughs> was like ah. sorry <laughs> she was like this spinning in the nice. air yeah, I really enjoyed that segment. I thought this is this is really really fun. Something different, you know. <laughs> but did you notice the segregation at? So at the time, this place was called um, Liquid Liquid and Envy, right? Yeah, yeah. 
And there was such a difference between the music they played in Liquid and the music they played in Envy. Like, yeah. Envy was more like urban, you know, as they urban say. <laughs> you know, urban and black. And Envy was, you know, proper going for it, you know, guys in the middle, mosh pit, all of that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we went into Liquid and they're just playing high school musicals. Actually, <laughs> such a vibe. It was such a vibe. A- it was a nice breath of fresh air than what we were used to and it's funny because even like the interview part was like lower it was smaller it was darker it, yeah. was so, it was so dingy compared to like the high ceilings of liquid and like the fact that you could actually no, breathe it was. there oh hilarious definitely, my first party at Brunel first ever like I'd come and moved in literally that day I went out with my flatmates Mm-hmm. And I got into so basically when you're going into that into that club venue, you, you first go into Envy, then you can go into Liquid. So got there, went into Envy. I kid you not, I felt like I was in a movie, and we were like in the middle of like Jamaica. That it was packed, and people Jamaica. were and gr- like, I don't know why Jamaica, but it had that like <laughs> Caribbean feel to it. Oh, okay, and I was yeah. just like, is this uni? Oh, well, you guessed. <laughs> oh my god I was loving it it was the element of shock as well like I'd never because obviously yeah. my whole like childhood really I, I'd never gone out like I wasn't you know at my school there were like little you know parties for under 18s under 16s my mum and dad was not letting me go to none of that obviously yeah, um, so yeah. it was the first time I'd ever experienced like an actual really big party and it was just yeah, it was like whoa is yeah. this what it is like to be 18 a different world altogether ironically though I remember the first party that I went to I did not enjoy it. I was started there like, what is, like... I was really? So but I didn't go to Liquid, though. I went to, um, uh, I was... At academy. The, the Academy. Oh. <laughs> ah. I didn't know where I was going. Literally, I said bye to my family. Sat down in my room for a while. I was like, okay, let me go out and see if I could just, like, see something. So I literally went out with my lanyard and everything, walking down the strip, and I was like, okay, let's make some friends. So I just stood around. And I oh, really? Oh, my God. Yeah, I was so by myself. And I, there was a group of girls there and they were like maybe like up to 10 black girls and I was like okay just speak to them just go say hi and I just couldn't do it I was so shy and then I saw wow. like two black girls walking towards me and I went to go speak to them one of them is my closest friend to this day um and I was like oh yeah hi are you guys going inside and like, oh yeah we're going inside and that's how we went inside the party like I don't even know how we got in and then we were in the club and I was like this is too much like you I hadn't been someone like that before but I don't think yeah I wouldn't describe mine the way you described yours it just felt really dingy and loud and I was like I can't hear anything <laughs> I want to go back to my room but then after Aww. a while I started to really enjoy the party scene I'll put it like that <laughs> she she you know she got converted into the party vibes but another uh, another thing I know I've strayed off the topic of I was supposed to give my my three song one more thing yeah one day we had come from like a party in a we sound like we were party head. We didn't even go to parties like that. We didn't. <laughs> we really didn't. We really didn't. But when we did, it was memorable. So um yeah, we had gone and it was a really boring party. Like I think it was a mega global or something. And so people said, Oh my gosh, mega global so good. I had the worst time. No, I'm mixing two times. Are you talking anyway, about it was just of, a bad party. End of second year. Yeah, I'm mixing that up. I think it was a different time. Anyway, so Locos in Brunel is like a well, how would you describe it? Like a like a bar, but yeah, it's a bar. bar slash cafe. Like during the day, like you can go there for English breakfast or whatever. So people were having the time of their life and they were playing like proper like pub songs in there and karaoke and all of that. And I just had so much fun. Like I'd never thought I would have fun in like a kind of pub setting or whatever, but it was kind of cute and 
like everyone was in there and just having a, a right good old time. I actually have um, a video of um, you must have been there. You know what? I remember you guys talking about this, but I actually wasn't there that day. And I was like, they had fun at local. Uh, like, what the, I, I was no, so she, we had a blast. The pub just kind of scares me sometimes. Like, I guess, especially growing up in like East London, the pub was like where the white men would go to and like shout racist slurs at you. So going inside just felt so terrifying. And I guess even on <laughs> campus too, that's all pub was giving me, like people that didn't want me there. <laughs> but I think if I went with a group of people that I actually enjoy now, when I go with the people that actually enjoy being around, it's a lot more enjoyable than fucking up there by myself, which I would never do. Do you remember when we went to Toby Carvery's? Carvery's? <laughs> no, guys. We went like to... <laughs> I remember, I remember. A group of us, we were getting ready. We are like, you know what, let's go to this restaurant. One of our friends told us it was really good. We went... This restaurant was, like, outside of London. Where was the area called? Um, oh, D- I Denim. can't remember. Denim, Denim something. Uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, just know we were not in London. <laughs> we get there, literally no street lights. It was dark. Get to the place. And there was just a vibe. Like, people looked at us like, oh, the blacks are here. Oh, no. Oh, no. No one said anything to us, but it was just like, I think you it's hard to explain. It. You just know when you're not really wanted. That was hilarious. Well, yeah. it shouldn't be funny, but. But the food, would you, did you like the food there? <laughs> Do you, the- you know, I, I don't know if I liked it or if I was just hungry. You know, those ones. <laughs> it's not somewhere. It's not somewhere I would go back. Like I wouldn't be fighting to go back there. It's just uh, your bog standard English meal, isn't it? Like they just yeah. that served English food. I thought it was decent, but so one of one of our friends in the circle, he wanted to go to like I think a Nigerian restaurant or just somewhere else. I think it was a Nigerian restaurant. Yeah, uh, and we forced him to go here. And he was not pleased. Yeah. But apart from that, we had a blast. It was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really a fan of um, English food like that. My mum loves to make roast dinners, though. Like, she literally lives for it. Every Sunday, not every Sunday, every once in a while on a Sunday, she will literally be cooking up, like, roast potatoes, all the vegetables, the uh, whatever meat to go with it. And she really enjoys it. But it never fills me up. As an okay. I have two or three plates before I'm as full as I am when I eat pounder jam. And I'm like, <laughs> look what these people are surviving on. And also, you don't have like, I mean, I don't know about you, maybe you don't agree with me, but I really love to have leftovers. Like, I like to cook a lot of food at a time so that yeah. I'm in the kitchen every day or ordering food because I can't be asked to be in the kitchen every day. But that roast dinner will never go around the whole family more than once, maybe <laughs> one and one and one eighth times. That's literally yeah. all you're going to get from that. So all of that labour, as in you marinate the chicken or whatever it is you're cooking with, you'll boil the potatoes, you'll peel them, you'll roast them, you'll boil the vegetables, you'll make the gravy for one meal. I know. And tomorrow you're hungry again. (laughs) Starving. (laughs) Ah, it's true. true. I don't think even England, we don't have like that much of a culture. I think that's why people really try to protect like the royal family and football and things like that because I feel like that's what makes up being British like other than fish and chips football and <laughs> the royal family there's nothing I can't think of anything else that we have I can, can think of a few things but they're not very good things like, like colonization I can think of slavery uh, <laughs> I can think of racism <laughs> oh they're, they're, they're popular for many things. Just uh, things and that's what I realized about countries um Oh, I'd guess colonizing countries. 
or maybe not just colonizing, but like Western countries that are very like European or like European related in some way, their culture is not as rich as the people that they colonized. And I think it's also down to them becoming a melting pot. Like people always talk about melting pots as if they're a good thing. And I get it um, right. because people are coming from different cultures and being in one place and like mixing together. But I just think it just creates a, a ball of confusion and kind of gets rid of any culture that could have ever been left behind because there is yeah. just so much interference. There's so much going out and conquering. There's so much oh, we hate these people, we love these people. They're trying to hold on to something that never really existed because all their history consists of is hurting people. And then now yeah. those hurt people come back, you're pushing them out. It's just it's just a big fat mess. That's what I've noticed about at least the US and the UK. It's like culture is very non-existent. And if there is a culture that's actually rich, it's usually from people that have come from other countries and migrated into that country. But the country's core core culture mm. is never something that I could see as good anyway you know yeah I get you and I think that's why like a lot of our parents and you know people from older generations that are African are, a lot of them are quite traditional I guess because they see the value in their culture mm. and maybe because we're we're kind of like you know living you know in this middle ground that we often talk about in you know being both African but also British um I think that like they're really into like protecting this kind of culture because I think in the UK we're kind of used to just not really having that much of a culture and we're okay yeah. with that and so like when our family's hell-bent about this is how we do things um you know when it comes to like I don't know having a, a new child enter the family or getting married or these different things that happen in life I kind of like is it that deep but for them it really is because it's yeah. who they are yeah. yeah even I don't know about you but when I think of the word culture when I've always thought of the word culture I always see something so bright and colourful and rich and like raw and natural. And mm. I never associate any of those words with the <laughs> West or like the USA or like England. Like, right. I don't know how to, uh, this is such a random way to describe it, but I think of like a mother looking after her child in the most natural way, in the most natural environment, as in she's just about wearing any clothing. The child is bare naked. She's breastfeeding mm-hmm. the child, walking around in the village with no, with no shoes on. The birds are singing, wow. the sky is clear. Everyone there mm-hmm. is speaking their native tongue. That's what I think of if, when I think of like something that's real, true, cultural. I cannot yeah. see that happening with a standard Caucasian woman. Do you get what I mean? I don't know if this is like stupid to even say, but the, the associations I've always made with cultural is like Ankara. It's like spices. It's nice smells. It's it's like right. warm it's family it's basically africa it's basically asia south america <laughs> like i don't i always thought of like the west as somewhere that wants to be so developed that it's kind of gotten rid of any type of like natural form of living <laughs> do you get what yeah, i mean yeah. like i've yeah, never seen the word culture as something that is high rises and concrete pavements and i don't know um corporate stuff and suits and smart shoes I don't think of when I think of culture I think of something in its most natural form Mm -hmm. and I think because of what let's just speak generally because of what the west has done to like other countries or countries that are now developing countries all the exploitation and stuff it's taken and picked and chosen all of these different resources to develop itself but in developing itself it's gone far from anything that ever could have been seen as cultural 
in the past it's now so developed yeah, that it isn't yeah. anything it's very um and they're very globalized very like hegemonic it's just like there's mm. nothing there anymore we tried so hard to be developed and now you are nothing <laughs> now you don't yeah. have any culture now you're mm-hmm. fighting off immigrants now all you have is it's coming home because that's really all you have left as and everybody yeah, yeah. has cultural roots that at least I associate with like being cultural but over here I just I've never seen the word cultural as something that's in the UK and whenever I hear people talk about British culture what it means to be British I'm like I really don't think there's an answer to that I don't think it exists anymore but you know what I will say about black people and maybe this exists within other um, races and other cultures but because I'm not within those communities I wouldn't know I think black people are really good at creating their version of culture wherever they go yeah, like even are. in America with people that um, are, are uh, um, African-American they still have their culture like they've got their soul food they've got their music they've got their you know um vibrant church communities that are very much american you know you hear it in the gospel songs you you literally see it in the 90s movies like they still do have their culture that exists and it's quite like um it's quite prominent for them it's their black culture and i see that developing in the uk as well like even with the grime scene and the music that we have i think that as black people we have like this ability to create culture wherever we go and it's probably different from quote-unquote british or american culture it is different of course it's going to be different um as black people because we're not accepted in in the mainstream culture or in the mainstream idea of what it means to be um british and what it means to be american but like i was just listening to something a while ago and they were talking about do you feel like there's the difference between being british and being english even though we're living in england so you're british by nationality right yeah um when i think of british i think of like scotland wales and england and then mm-hmm. when I think of England, I just think of literally England. You know how the country set up, so like Scotland on the top, Wales on the side, and then England like in the middle. That's right. how I would make that distinction. Doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. But yeah, I, think, yeah. I think that is the difference, like the geographical difference. Like England is like that country, like at the bottom. And then Britain yeah. is including Wales and um, Scotland. And does it also include Ireland? Northern Ireland, I don't remember. Uh, but, you know, that's yeah. what I think of anyways. But I think more so in terms of like identity, I think mm. we always say, oh, I'm, I'm British or I'm from London. But it's never, even though we're in England, it's never I'm English. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that just feels, it? Ra- it feels like, it feels racist. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I would, lit- I would rather uh, wrap, I would rather wrap the Great British flag around my body than the English flag. I don't know if that's good or bad. But there's something about the yeah. red and white that disturbs me. It, it does symbolise English people, but it does feel like it's um, excluding any and everything else <laughs> I mean I think I wish I knew a bit more history to like distinguish between what the what England has done as a country mm-hmm. and what Great Britain has done as like a nation right I don't even know if that's the word right. to describe it as but I feel like there's a reason that maybe we're not too aware of that the English flag is a bit more disturbing than like if I walk down a street and there's bare English flags, I'll actually be more scared than if I walked down and there was a Great, Brit- <laughs> Great British flags. Oh, uh, yeah. Great Union so, Jack yeah. flags, I mean. Yeah. I don't know, it's weird. Like, I've never thought about that before. But yeah, I don't know exactly why. I'm, I'm with mm-hmm. you. It kind of disturbs me a bit. But I think it's also a thing that disturbs probably minorities, ethnic minorities, more than your average like British um, white person. Yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know how we got into this conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
You're listening to the So You Can Relate podcast. <laughs> Love a bit of talk about culture. But yeah, no, I think, yeah, I used to kind of be worried about me losing my culture and my identity and it being watered down yeah. through generations. But I think I've kind of, first of all, like I'm as an individual in control of how much of my culture I pass down to the next generation, whether that be moving back to Uganda, staying in the UK, moving wherever I want to move. I'm in control of that. If I feel like culture is so important to me, I can always move back home. But I am also comfortable with the fact that I feel like there's a new culture being built here in the UK that I enjoy and that I'm, you know, like you said, it's like this melting pot of many, many cultures together. And I see the beauty in that. And I'm okay with that continuing. I guess the only, there are losses in everything and and gains in everything. I think the only major loss with that is the loss of language. Yeah, and that does worry me, the loss of language. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's so bad to the point that even people that are in Uganda, there's people that have literally grown up in Kampala that cannot speak the local languages. And Mm. these people have been born and bred there, definitely. Yes, literally people like middle class in Uganda that only know English how come they're not taught it like why don't they know it I think it's like a psychological thing that you speaking English you know is synonymous with you being more intelligent you being well read you being learned and I think now people are starting to realize that actually that shouldn't be the case but I would say not just like only 10 years ago people were really promoting you know English speaking and it wasn't really really prioritized like even in Uganda in a lot of schools boarding schools they're discouraged from speaking what they call vernacular like speaking local languages you only speak English at school and so it's kind of like you you kind of create this link between your culture and your language being a backward or negative thing or thing that you should do behind closed doors rather than it being who you are though people might argue that this is a minority but they exist and I feel like they're growing a lot of people don't speak their language of course they understand it they could get by, but they don't fluently understand their language to the extent that their parents do or did. Yeah, I think even on that note, I think what needs to be promoted, like it's not wrong for people in Uganda to speak English. Neither mm-hmm. is it wrong for them to speak like or anybody to speak any native tongue. I think what should be promoted is um, being bilingual, at least, or being multilingual, like being able to speak more than one language and encouraging that at a yeah. really young age and oh, doing sorry. it to the point where people almost making it like you need to learn how to speak two languages as much as you tell yeah. how to speak full stop learn to teach how to speak two languages as well and I think that's important because there is a value in being able to communicate with somebody from a different country by speaking their language but there's also an immense value in being able to speak your own language and your own native tongue I would be unstoppable if I could speak Yoruba and English I wouldn't be less than <laughs> unstoppable <laughs> I would be better than my dad even speaks yeah. Hausa as well, so he could have taught me two plus. Wow. Levels, you know, so imagine if I was like trilingual. That's not be- worse than what I am now. That's, yeah, that's yeah, better. Yeah. And I think even if you're speaking, even if you could only speak Yoruba and Hausa, that's better than just speaking Hausa. Do you get why? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. what people sometimes do, especially maybe back home, is make it sound like you only need to speak this one language, which is English rather than saying you need to be able to speak this language and English or whatever and what and whatever language just as well as each other because being bilingual is more important than being able to speak one western language um yeah. and that's, that's one reason why if I was to ever you know get married and have children 
that's why I'd love to marry somebody that can speak a different language because I can't teach my kids anything at this point. I only speak one language, but I'd love for somebody yeah. to teach them something that I can't do because I really see the value in that. Um, so do you fully understand Yoruba? No, I don't. I feel like much like oh, okay. um, football and politics, it's just one of those things that has just never got into my head. <laughs> I try so hard. I literally like, my parents will be speaking and I'm like, huh? <laughs> what are you yeah. saying? And it's weird because my sister understands it. And, um, but she doesn't speak it there. I think that's another thing. A lot of us understand it, but we can't speak it or we have no confidence yeah. in how we sound when we speak it. But my mum says that I chose to not learn Yoruba. I don't really agree with you. I don't know how you can choose to not learn a language. Yeah. Like, you should have just taught me anyways, whatever. But no, I don't understand it. I understand like the most simple terms and like the general gist of things. But mm-hmm. if you were to sit me down in a conversation that was from Europe in Yoruba from beginning to end, I wouldn't have a clue what was going on, which makes me really sad to say, to be honest. Yeah, no, I do understand that. It's it's crazy. I think like in some ways I always used to feel like I wish I could fluently speak it, but it is a privilege to understand as well. Yeah. Because at least you, you have that connection to the language. Even if you can't speak, you can fully understand it, mm-hmm. which is also really positive. Um, but I yeah, I wholeheartedly blame it on my parent, you know. I take yeah. no part in the blame. I blame <laughs> <laughs> I honestly do, because I feel like you know, there's certain cultures that you would just like. I always say this, and I can't remember if I said this on the pod. I'm yet to meet a Congolese person that doesn't speak Lingala or one of their tribal language. I'm sorry, I'm yet to meet like they're so, and I really admire that about them. Everyone I meet can speak Lingala or French or something, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think other cultures, other countries, we really struggle with that. Like, yeah, a lot of people from um, Kosovo, Poland, like they really know their language. Like they know the language before they start learning English. Like mm-hmm. there's just certain cultures that are really big on that. And I think that's really admirable, really. Yeah, I have noticed that too. Um I don't even know what mm. links to draw with that. I feel like there probably is a reason. Like I have met yeah. I've met more people, especially like um Asians as well, like South Asians, East Asians or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. They tend yeah. to speak the languages, but I feel like maybe because I'm just in like the Nigerian community, but loads of young Nigerians that I know, if anything, they understand, or at least Yorubas, if anything, they mm. understand, but they can't really speak as much. And I don't really see that much with like other African countries. And I do wonder why. Anything I can think of, maybe, but I feel like I'm reaching with this because I'm not like a historian or anything. But what I can really think of is mm-hmm. like, obviously with... Um, like let's say the migration of loads of Africans to the UK in like the 80s and the 90s or whatever I do know that with a lot of them they would bring their children to school and their child could have been born in the UK or could have been born in Nigeria and is now going to school in the UK and loads of teachers were telling their parents that their kids shouldn't be spoken to in anything about English at home because it's not good for them and it will confuse them and it's not good for them to learn how to yeah, speak yeah. languages you know about all that right exactly and I feel like yeah. People that were coming there around that time were Nigerians. Like there are so many Nigerians all over the country, all over the world, but there are many, <laughs> many, 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 many in the UK and in London. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like maybe there was like this, I don't know, silent mass murder of like the tongue <laughs> for the children because parents yeah. were being told that it's not in your child's best interest to speak their home language. And I feel like maybe mm-hmm. that's why certain African countries who came like in the masses, I'm talking about like loads and loads and loads of them in like that specific time frame. Maybe many parents were told it wasn't best and 
even though they spoke it about at home, they didn't speak as much as they would have planned to if it wasn't for their teachers telling you your child isn't going to benefit from this. So I feel like it's a bit of that. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And like, it's just crazy to hear that, really. I, I get that maybe those teachers felt like, you know, that was the best advice they could give the parents at the time. But mm-hmm. I do think, still think that it was kind of like the responsibility of the parents once they found out that their toddlers had kind of grasped English to kind of like introduce the language. But I, I do also recognise that like a lot of our parents were busy. Like they did not have time to sit down and teach you how to say this and how to say that. Like they were yeah. genuinely busy and they came to this country to grind and to hustle and to you know make ends meet and mm-hmm. as a result there were certain luxuries that they just didn't have that they didn't have time to kind of do all of that exactly. um so I think that's definitely something to like bear in mind yeah and another part of the whole conversation is like the way different languages are looked at like if I tell you I can speak English and Yoruba I will get less of a wow to if I told you I could speak English and French because certain languages mm-hmm. are you know they're rated more than others basically there are so many yeah. indigenous languages in nigeria that if i t- if i told you i could speak one you'd be like what's that where's that going to take you in life if i mm-hmm. told you i could speak german french and spanish and mandarin yeah. you'd be like oh wow yeah you're gonna go places with that one oh, so it's, yeah, it's also yeah. like the value that's placed on different languages and i get it i understand it like not everyone needs to speak Hausa or should need to speak Hausa to get somewhere in like the french market like obviously not like it's different but I think mm-hmm. the value that's placed on languages also plays a big part in how we how we teach them or if we teach them at all, whether we think it's worth teaching because where's it going to get you in life if you can't speak that language, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's all, period. That's all, period. So long story short, if I ever have a child, I hope that it's with someone that can speak something other than English. Even if it is French, okay, fine. But preferably an African language, that would be so cool. Yeah, yeah. Even me, I can't speak any, and I feel like that is a big part of culture. That there's no other way around it. Like you can't, you can't make it beautiful. <laughs> you can't make the. No, I do understand. Yeah, it's just sad. <laughs> it's real <so> sad. <laughs> well, for me, like I just feel like if I was to ultimately get married to someone that's from a different country, and then my kids end up fluently speaking that language, a, a, a part of me will feel like, oh no, but they don't speak my language. Do you get me? Yeah. Even though I'd be happy that they're learning, like, you know, the language of wherever their dad's from. I, I And I guess I came to the realisation a while ago that I, my preference would be to just, for, for my family to be from the same country so we can, like, have the same culture and speak the same language. I think there's something really beautiful about that. And whilst people want to talk about the beauty of interracial relationships, um, I think there's beauty in relationships that are not interracial. Do you get what I mean? They are more beautiful, <laughs> in fact. Today we get me started on that one because you <laughs> don't come by people today. <laughs> it's so funny you say this because I was literally sitting thinking yesterday for no. What was I even thinking about? No reason. I was like, okay, so Netflix getting married, right? It better be to Yoruba man. If it's not, he better be Nigerian. If he's- yeah. You better be African. <laughs> if he's not, yeah. you better be black. That's it. That's it. I'm sorry. That's literally it. He's either Yoruba. You're not going any further. I can't. I sorry, I can't. Obviously, when I say black, I also include um people that are mixed race. <laughs> I feel like I feel like <laughs> so silly saying this. But I also like just for clarification. For clarification, yeah. But I I can't do anything. I just feel like there's just 
and it's, I'm totally with you because I say this to my friends, yeah, and I say this as if like I've been in one 10 year relationship. I haven't, but I say this to them all the time. If you get me, if you're dating a guy right now, yeah, and let's say that you really feel like he's serious and it's gonna go somewhere, just know wherever country they're from, fall in love with the country quickly, quickly fall in love with that country because I promise you anytime this guy could turn around to you not today not tomorrow but maybe in 10 years 20 years time maybe when he's 50 and say I want to go back to Zimbabwe Hmm. and I know it's more complex than that obviously you're in a partnership and you need to discuss things but you just need I feel like when someone's from somewhere that 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 possibility of them wanting to move back there is always on the table Hmm. um and there's even a couple I know of um and they made an announcement talking about how they're moving back to Nigeria and the wife's not from Nigeria. And I was just thinking, my head, wow, that's that's a real serious move. And like, well, yeah. if I was, would I be prepared to move to Nigeria? Probably not. But I think those are the things that have should run through your mind when you're deciding to literally build a covenant with someone yeah. that's from another country. And vice versa. I know women that, you, you know, I have an auntie, she's Ugandan and she married a Ghanaian and she wanted to move back to Ghana. And I mean, to Uganda and they, all went back to Uganda. I think you do have to fall in love with that person's culture wholeheartedly. And that's why I do think that interracial relationships, even intertribal, um, even within Africa, different countries, it's, it is quite complex and there are sacrifices to be made. It's not, you know, it's not all a bed of roses. Um, and I think that it's good to acknowledge that, to be honest, if that's what you want to get into. Hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think... There's also like a side to it of people like that are so fun loving and they're like, hell yeah, I'll move to Ghana. Why the hell not? (laughs) Take me there now. And I think (laughs) like to be with someone that it's weird because I think one thing that scares me about um, interracial dating or like interracial relationships is definitely having um, or being with someone that just sees me as an adventurer because they're not used to black girls or they're mm-hmm. not used to Nigerian girls or like being a fetish basically and that's not used to many black women yeah a lot of the fear um for a black women that I know of anyway that are hesitant towards it is well first of all <laughs> first of all your granddaddy was a slave mess <laughs> honestly oh <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's that. I'll get back to that in a second. <laughs> maybe not your granddaddy, <laughs> but maybe your great, 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 great Exactly. And number two, am I just a book that you wanted to take that happened to be someone that you fell in love with because you never had a black girl before? Yeah. Or are you trying to prove something to yourself or to the people around you? There's so many things to consider. And I'd rather not consider any of that. And you know what? It's even funny because even with dating a black man, you have to consider, does he actually like black women? Does he even care? Come on, talk about it. Because, like, I'll never forget. I see. Okay, but I'll never forget. Like, I think it was. Oh, who was I talking to? Yes. So one of my friends had a friend in third year who was doing her dissertation, and I think she was. I think it was about like, was it about dating or like? I think it was a lot to do with like dark skin um, people and maybe lighter skin people and like how they interact with the world or just something like that, basically. So she right. got me and my friends because we all lived together in the flat. I mean, but all of us were dark skin, really, apart from like a couple. 
we sat down at our, um, in our table in the kitchen and she was asking us questions about our experiences as like dark-skinned black women, right? And there was one thing that one of us, I don't know if it was me or somebody else said it, and we were like, if we're at the club, right? Mm-hmm. And there is, being the dark-skinned black woman, and there's a black guy that moves to me and talks to me, or not, not even that, but there's a black guy that I like the look of that I would like to come, come on over. Yeah. One thing that's going to go through my head, I'm not going to speak for all black women, but at least for me is, does he like black girls? And that is mm. so unfortunate because mm. I don't think anybody else would think, does he like someone that is my race and that looks yeah. like like maybe what? I know white people think about, or oh, does he like blondes? <laughs> does he like brunettes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He likes white girls at least. I mean, damn, you can always dye your hair, but I'm not about to bleach my skin. <laughs> you know what I mean? I hear you. So right. like, just to have that consideration, not just for black men, but for every man out there, there's literally, there's always a chance that this man, regardless of his race, does not like black women. And the last thing I'm going to do is pray and hope that you like me because I don't want somebody that has to learn how to love me, if you get what I mean. So even yeah. that's enough of a struggle as it is within like the black community, at least for dark skinned black people. I've taken that mm-hmm. elsewhere um, to like other races, considering that is even more of a big thing. Like, does this white man like this black woman? Okay, he does. Mm-hmm. Does he know why he does? Is it because mm. he just wants to be around someone exotic? Is it because he likes the length <laughs> of my of my big braids is because right, right. Of my skin is just like like what am I to them and maybe I'm over analyzing it but to be honest I know that I'm not because there is a lot of research into it there's a lot of like discourse around how black women are perceived by other people on the dating scene and I think that's what really guides my um uh my uh my perception of like interracial relationships it's like who am I to you and I'm yeah. gonna be able to stop thinking about that and also your granddaddy was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I just find uh, like I just yeah. think of like I literally think of ancestors being stolen and put onto boats and like being mistreated mm. all over the Americas and like even in the just everywhere. And I'm like, if my great times a billion grandmother could see me right now with this yeah, yeah. person on a date falling in love, what would she think? And some would say I'm overthinking it. But this but is it the thing. My I- mind. This is the thing, Adafala, and I, I'll, I'll play um, angels advocate because I don't <laughs> like to play the devil's advocate. Angels advocate. Um, <laughs> what I will say is, someone could argue just the way you said that. Oh, like you know, I don't know if you're a descendant of a slave master and all these different things. And what would my ancestors think? You could date a black man who is a descendant of the people that were selling their brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no, there's no, of course we can't know, but you could literally, there's, there's, there's black people that are descendants of people that did unspeakable things. Um, and I think that that is, that is part of the story, whether we want to like admit it or not, part of the story is that our own people played a part within this and it'd be your own people. And you know what movie reminded me of that? Queen what? and Slim. Oh, when, he, it when was the black guy his, sold them out. When the black guy sold them out. I couldn't believe it. Mm. And it just reminded me of it. Literally be your own people. And like my friend was telling me this whole year, it's a cold world <laughs> and it really is chilly. It's chilly out here. You got what I mean? So sometimes I, I'm, I'm romantic in the sense that when you find love or when love finds you, go for it. But I, I think that I'm all for being romantic, but not naive. 
And with me, I've never had an issue with interracial dating for myself or for other people. But I think that sometimes people can be naive to the sacrifices that come with it. And mm-hmm. I would like to think I'm not naive to it. And, and when I go into, if I was to go into something like that, I would like to think that I'm fully aware of like the reality that not everyone in that family, you know, quote unquote, is going to accept you. Um, and just the difficulty that comes with merging two entirely different cultures, outlooks on life, upbringings together. And some people could argue that that's just difficult with anyone, which is kind of true, because even if I meet a guy that's Ugandan from my exact same tribe, from my village, we're <laughs> still going to have differences. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, major, yeah, major yeah. differences. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, I guess, you know, it is what it, it is. is. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I guess with the whole um you know ancestors his ancestors could have done unspeakable things too. I think it goes yeah. it just relates to the whole conversation of like with slavery in general. You know, it wasn't just the white man going pluck Africa, pluck America, like pluck Brazil, like it wasn't like yeah. there was some kind of uh communication going on. But I think one thing I'm always reminded of is I always find this conversation hard to have because some people try and take it too far and put the blame on Africans for selling. It's mm. like, you sold, so you're absolutely in the wrong. Like, that's never going to be the case. It's such a complex conversation to have. But also, I guess the perception of slavery for the African man was not what the white man subjected him to in them in the Americas. It was very, very, very different. It was not, it was not on the same level, first of all. Right. Yeah. Like, it's the identification. It's like, okay, fair enough, the ancestor did this but you're still African, you're still Black. I would still rather date you than an actual descendant of the person who flipped and sold my ancestors across the seas and threw something overboard. Like, I don't want to mm-hmm. say lesser of two evils, but I've taken a bit too far saying lesser of two evils, but I would still prefer that. And I haven't thought about that before, to be honest with you. So I get where you're coming from. Like, people do have ugly pasts. People do have horrible ancestries. And I guess to not date somebody because of that uh, can seem a bit a bit OTT sometimes but when I think of what that is and I think of things like yeah I still think of imperialism I think of like modern day colonization like it's actually still going on there's still so many yeah and um you know Dr Umar right so he has (laughs) (laughs) it just let me go (laughs) I will say I have been successfully influenced by Dr Umar in terms of interracial what yeah I mean, I had. Well, you had... actually take this guy seriously. <laughs> That's the thing. Oh like, my god! You don't have to take someone seriously to be influenced by them. Do you get yeah, what yeah. I mean? If we, all you have to do is listen to their videos just a bit, and it starts to get imprinted <laughs> in your head. Now we all know Doctor Umar cannot stand an interracial relationship, but uh, even aside, uh, from, mm-hmm. um, there's this video he has, and he always talks about coons, right? And he's talking about he's talking about coons, <laughs> and he goes. It only takes a little bit of white seasoning to activate the coon chip in the average Negro. And when he's basically saying it only takes a little bit of too much interaction from, I don't know, from the white man, too much um, Mm -hmm. of him getting into your head, too much of his words kind of dictating your life to turn the average Negro into a coon. In other words, just turn you into somebody who is not not black power not what you would want them to be ideally as a black person right and yeah it goes other way around so it's like I could be with a person that's not black but I feel like it'll only take a little bit of something brainwashing 
to activate mm. the racism chip in the average non-black person that I could be dating. In other words, I still feel like there's always a potential inside this person to just not be comfortable with dating a black woman or to have certain reservations about me that could just rear their ugly head at any point for whatever reason. I don't, okay. feel, like, I don't feel like he's ever going to be... Uh, I don't even know what to use. I don't think there's ever a chance that he's never going to disappoint me or make me do a side eye in terms of race or how he perceives me as a black person. And I know that's not always ruled out with a black man because he might even just about like black girls himself. He might have his own anti-blackness mm-hmm. that manifests in the way he treats me and the way he perceives himself. But I feel like mm-hmm. there's less of a chance of that with a black man than there is with someone who's non-black. I thought there's always a chance of something jumping out and scaring the hell out of me. <laughs> I, knew I knew I knew you were racist. I knew you were, <laughs> I gave you a chance. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I like I said, it. there is still there are still so many problems with I don't know, any any black man, any man out there. So yeah. Yeah, no, I guess it's like kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Exactly. Um and I think that obviously within within the context of race that's definitely something that may play on your mind but then again you know our our lovely 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 Christians in the audience could argue that but he's renewed in Christ Jesus you know he has the indwelling (laughs) of the Holy Spirit and you know he does not see things through a carnal mind you know because we do not fight against flesh and blood come on but powers. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, cause like yeah. I feel like Christians that are in interracial relationships just love to say that because right. they've got God on their side, and it's like, oh, but God put <laughs> us together. And it's like, okay, fair enough. That's between you and God. It's not my relationship. But mm-hmm. um, I guess <laughs> I don't want to say that doesn't matter because it's, we're talking about God now, aren't we? <laughs> I have to shut my mouth. <laughs> mention God I'll be quiet but But I I do understand that and it's funny because my mom said I feel like I'm really exposing myself right now like I could be quote-unquote ruining my market (laughs) Uh, I'll never forget this one time a few months ago I was in the car with my mom mm -hmm. and I was just literally like a white man in the car next to us and then she looked at him and then she looked at me and she goes, would you ever marry a white man? <laughs> and I was like, mm, no, I don't think so. And she goes, what if God said so? And I was like, God wouldn't say that to me. God, <laughs> come, come. Not my God. <laughs> not, my, not the God that I serve. I was like, yeah, he wouldn't do that. But I reminded about something that my friend said a lot in first year. She would always go, God will use you for bants. As in, oh. he will use a situation you laughed at. And he will put you in that situation and you will love uh-huh. it. You have to Come shut on. your mouth. So despite everything that I've just said, <laughs> I try not to say too much because I don't want God to use me for bands. So next thing you know, I'm going <laughs> to write man in Hawaii in three years' time. Like, <laughs> hey, hey. But, um, Hawaii, you know? <laughs> yeah. I feel like if God said, then fair enough. But I feel like God should also consider... <laughs> You're going to tell God what you feel like, too. You consider yeah. my street cred, God, please, my ego. <laughs> it, needs, <laughs> it needs to remain intact. <laughs> Just settle my ego. Settle my ego. God, please. You know, I do not co-sign Adepola's beliefs. I believe that everybody's wonderfully and fearfully made in God's image. <laughs> me too. I do. Just not made for me. You're made for each other. Do you know what? Yeah, because it's one thing to love people and one thing to enter into covenant with someone for life. Exactly. So, 
I do, I do, yeah. I do see it from um, both points of view for sure. But um, I just think that, yeah, I think it's it's quite difficult. And I think I do take my hat off to people that are in interracial relationships because, you know, you have to, I guess, weigh the pros and the cons. And clearly for them, there's more pros than cons, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I guess with any yeah. relationship, we're just talking about it in the context of race because we're talking about interracial relationships. But even when you're the same race, there's always pros and cons to weigh up. Um, yeah. And all that jazz. But that does haunt me. Like, you know, imagine God picking someone for you that you're actually not attracted to. Like, that's so, <laughs> that's so scary. But do you know what? I just don't entertain those thoughts because I just feel like God would never do me like that. <laughs> exactly. If he knows who I am, he wouldn't do that to me. <laughs> like, and you know, Christian women love that. They love to say, I was never attracted to him when we first met. I'm Sis. sorry, but nobody wants to be introduced like that. Like, oh. <laughs> like imagine, imagine your engagement party and your man says, yeah, oh. I didn't like her still. But eventually she grew on me. <laughs> I'll be crying. I'll, I'll actually call that's up the engagement. That's so what? embarrassing. And that's why... Yeah, I do. I I guess I do care about like initial attraction. Yeah, I like at least in the first two weeks. Just okay, I'll give you a bit of time, but don't make it two years down the what line. What do you mean? What time? What kind of time? You need to be like Doctor Uma. He said, <laughs> "Black women are beautiful." But let me refocus. Let me refocus. As in, I want you to know, and I should also know from the get go that there is an attraction there. And yeah, it's funny yeah. because. You know, a few episodes I spoke about how I liked his smell. When mm. I experienced that, I said, ah, so you can like someone this much. Hey! <laughs> I will never settle for someone that hardly moves me. Why would I do that? No, I don't bother. And you know what? This is the thing. Like, this is why this scripture, don't awaken love before it's time, is so <laughs> true. Yeah. Because your girl was out here and, you know, without <laughs> spilling all the beans. <laughs> There was somebody that I met <laughs> and I said, I haven't known, <laughs> I haven't known this in my whole life. Oh, I've never felt such an attraction. Love, it can't have been love. <laughs> I haven't known this in my whole life, as in like, it was just an amazing feeling. And I just thought to myself, you know what? <laughs> you can't settle for anything less than that when you've experienced it. Like when exactly. you've actually experienced that, you can't. Which is a kind of a good thing because imagine if you didn't and then you kind of settled for something that's not that it's not really yeah. good, is it? Yeah, it's not good. Like when they talk <laughs> about sparks flying, oh, I felt mm-hmm. <laughs> they were flying anyhow, <laughs> flying even into my eyes, everywhere, everyone's eyes just flying, <laughs> flying. I said, damn, this is what it can feel like, right? Oh now, man, why they say love is a drug? Now I get why your pupils get dilated when you're it's literally a drug you feel like you're on a high when you're with them and I think that's why I always say to people I never get it when you're dating someone and you're arguing in the first month like that is not for you man like get out of that as soon as possible because this is it's never going to get any better than this like this is the highlight like you know you're in this honeymoon phase you just met each other everything is roses and petals like it's just going to get harder I know it sounds it sounds it sounds sad but literally it's just going to get harder like there will be moments where you enjoy each other's company and and obviously you're in love but this is the best part you know when you're discovering each other you know in more ways than one ah you. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean and so yeah. It's it's a it's a thing that literally should be enjoyable, and I get it. That sometimes you do have to set boundaries early on, but it shouldn't mean that you're arguing twenty four seven. 
Um, and yeah, that's my two pence on that. That's my two cents on that. So in a nutshell, where are, where are we with this interracial thing? You're saying that you would date interracially? I actually would. I feel like if it's, if I meet somebody and I fall in love with them, I am not going to not, you know, take the relationship seriously just based on where they're from. I think the fact that I've actually fallen in love with you speaks volumes enough. So sorry, guys, if you can hear that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What was that? I I have this like, um, what's it called? Like a fire, fire alarm. Oh, and it says low battery. And it's literally saying that the battery's going to have to change out the battery. Oh, okay. What happened to the normal beep that everyone usually gets? I don't know what (laughs) we ordered, but (laughs) it's speaking to me. Um, I actually need to change that battery out. Yeah, guys, remember to change out the batteries in your houses. You know, fire actually kills. So let's stay safe. Um, Yeah, so um, what was I saying? Yeah, Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't let race be kind of what stops me from falling in love with a really great guy. Um, but would would I prefer to, to be with someone outside of my race? No, I would prefer to be with someone within my race because yeah. I see all the benefits um, to, to being with someone within your race, someone that looks like you, someone that you're from the same culture. I think you can really connect. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't stop it just based on that. So yeah, that's where I am. Yeah. Interesting. How about okay. you, girl? <clears throat> I don't want to say that I'm trying to be where you are. I don't know what I'm trying. I'm trying to understand. I think I do understand your perspective. Mm -hmm. But um, I guess I I realise that I do kind of act in fear a lot of the time. So I'll do something because I'm scared of something else happening. But that thing I'm doing can sometimes be just equally as destructive. I don't know if that directly applies to this situation. But like I said earlier, the fear of this person turning against me there's something bad coming out of it like me being proven yeah. right about something to do with race explicitly mm-hmm. that that fear is driving me in the opposite direction I'm not even wanting to be involved with you do you get what I mean mm-hmm. so maybe it's maybe I should work on not operating out of fear even if that changes other areas of my life but not my perceptions of dating I think I just there's just too many things in my mind that I will start to consider and I don't want to have to think about all of those things just to say, yes, I'll go on a date with you. I, I beg, I'd rather yeah. just not consider you full stop and go in the other direction. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, yeah, no, I get it. This is the So You Can Relate podcast. In line with the whole ancestry thing, yeah. So let's say you've met a guy and, you know, this is the guy for you like you really like him everything's falling in line the attractions there the passions there the conversation is there um and he's like a christian and you know it's really much about his faith and then you find out that he has like a questionable ancestry of people that are literally just involved in witchcraft you know (laughs) (laughs) they do all and dabble in the dark side what are you doing? Are you going to give that all up because of his family or his like ancestry, even though he's a Christian now and he's a really good guy? Or are you going to stick with him and take on any battle that may come? <laughs> I mean, it depends. Like, is it like his mum is a witch? His family. 
Okay, let's not say, let's not make it too, 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 too easy to kind of make a decision on. It's not his mom, but his mom kind of like his parents co sign it. Like they're they're cool with it, but they're not directly involved. But he has family members that are very much involved in that. That's what they do. As they believe it's their culture, it's who they are. My mom would say no. That's for sure. She'd say N O spells no. No. But how about you? This is the problem with love. That's what I've been saying. When you love someone, you'll do, you'll do anything for them. If I loved him, loved him, loved him, I'd see past all of that and we'd go to church every Sunday and we'd just pray it away. Um, but <laughs> realistically, yeah. I think I would put, I'd put everything on pause a bit. I'd seek the face of God. <laughs> I'd seek. I'd go on a retreat. <laughs> like, Imagine I'm- Imagine if God gave you a word saying, are you ready for the battle ahead? <laughs> no, Lord, I'm not ready. <laughs> nah, I would say, Lord, send me a new man. <laughs> Keep that battle to yourself. I'm not strong enough. Sorry. Someone else can do it. I think, yeah, I think <laughs> it would actually take, I would take a break. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to stay with you and work it out together I'd have to work that out independently because it's going to be affecting me like clearly you're okay yeah. with it, or as okay with it as you can be and you've spoken to me about it so kudos for that but it's now about can I deal with this as an individual not about my parents not about my friends or kids that I don't even have yet it's like am I going to be able to handle this and I think that's going to take some time in the secret place <laughs> <laughs> of intense seeking of God's face to know like okay God if you say this is going to be if it's going to work, I know that you're going to be by my side, so I know everything's going to be <laughs> But you have to be sure of that. Yeah, as a yes. say, like, God first in marriage, it's never wrong so true than in this situation here. Because if God hmm. is first in this marriage, God knows where it's going to go. It's <laughs> so, yeah, I'd have, to, I'd have to solidify my relationship with Christ and make sure that I knew what I was going into. And, like, I think I'd literally wait for a word even if I had to wait for longer than I want to, I'd, I'd need to have a resounding yes, go ahead. If I didn't have that, yeah, I think I'd be gone because that's scary stuff. Like I'll never forget all the prayers that we used to pray in my church so often. Maybe more often than you should have needed to pray them. But there were always like generational curses and, mm. you know, you'd always have testimonies of, oh, all the men in my family never passed the age of 40. Aye! But... <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. I heard so many of those growing up and I'm pretty sure they exist to this day. They never passed the age of 40, but I turned 41. I thank God. Um, oh, the woman in my family always miscarry at eight months. Stuff like oh, that. Honestly, God forbid. So like, and I feel like things like that are usually as a result of, um, I don't know, which quite often endeavors into the spiritual realm. But yeah, there's yeah. even so much to say about that too, like traditional religions. Maybe this could be another episode. I think we should talk about maybe a little bit more research, maybe not. We should talk about like perceptions of those religions, especially from like African Christians and how we perceive them. Maybe it's just the kind of person that I am because I know that some Christians, some African Christians or black Christians would disagree with me. But I think there needs to be a bit of respect put on those religions. You don't have to necessarily believe in them. You don't have to consult with the spirits they're consulting with. You don't have to be a witch doctor. But I think you need to be a bit more respectful of those religions. Because let's be honest, 
Respectful of what? Respect. <laughs> you know, demonic activity. You don't believe me, do you? you know? Hey! <laughs> oh my I'm, gosh. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm a flipping witch or anything like that, okay? Huh. I'm just saying that the way we talk about the spirits <laughs> that our ancestors once worshipped, like just because you're a Christian, it doesn't mean that mummy water doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Okay. but we know what it means right you know what it means you don't have to pray to it but i <laughs> this is gonna be a different topic altogether i might need to formulate this thought before i say anything incriminating but i do believe in spirits that aren't of god do you get what i mean i mean who okay in terms of that they exist right they exist exactly right and they exist and there are human beings on this earth many of which are related to you in a very distant ancestral way who consult mm-hmm. with those spirits. And before okay. your faith, Christianity was reintroduced to Africa, not introduced mm-hmm. by the, um, mm. whoever like introduced before like colonization, but like reintroduced through like the crusades and stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of your ancestors were consulting and interacting with those spirits too. I think it's yeah. a thing of respecting your past, even though you don't agree with it. Than actually interacting with that practice that's so how do we respect it i feel like sometimes we just were so judgmental to people who look down at it like there's one thing to pray against your generational curse and there's another yeah. thing to just speak so disrespectfully about those things that are so linked to your ancestors do you get what i mean i'm not saying go and pray to them every night and set up a flipping um uh what's it called what's that thing they start? shrine a shrine i'm not saying go and do that I'm just saying stop being rude. Stop being so like, um, oh, what's the word? Like vile in your in your words towards them. Do you get what I mean? Like even Jesus okay. himself was mm. nice towards the things he didn't agree with. And I don't think... Yeah, really, yeah. Like, even though like, fair enough, the angels are literally fighting, are fighting demons in the spiritual realm and fighting all of these things because you asked them to do so in prayer time in church. <laughs> but... <clears throat> It doesn't mean that it's very Christian to speak so horribly against the people that practice those things. Oh, uh, I'm with you now. Right. That's, yeah. that's what I mean when I say respect. I'm not saying go to the shrine okay. and offer your life up. I'm just saying put some respect on what was carrying your ancestors three before Jesus came to save their souls. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think I hear what you're saying now. I think it's kind of going back to this whole thing of Christians being quite judgmental and being forgetting so quickly where they came from and I think it's, it goes back to that scripture that says you know you shouldn't comment on the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own mm-hmm. um and I think that people are very quick to be like well you know God saved me from that and I'm out of that and now you're looking back on people like oh my gosh are you still doing that are you still practicing that exactly. instead of loving people <laughs> loving people back to health you know showing them how Christ has changed your life and and going, you know, being with them and, and literally spending time with them and not shunning them or being horrible because then it's kind of like, what are you, are you showing that Christ delivered you from where you were so that you could go back and be horrible and judgmental? No. Yeah. Um, but then again, I, I, I do think that obviously there's boundaries. Like you said, you're not going to be at the shrine or participate <laughs> in that because, not because you want to be horrible, but because you don't care because it's fake, because it's not real. And even if those dark powers do exist, they are in a way not of really your concern because you're part of the kingdom of light now and exactly. so like it's not your concern and there is actually a, there's a few my sister was telling me about this twitter account she found like last week i forgot to ask her to send it to me but it's this girl i think she's like black british or like african whatever 
and she's actually gone back to Nigeria to become like oh I don't even know what what the term is but to become one of the like chief practitioners team chief liaison as if that's even a word so like she's going through all of the processes to become like a spiritual priestess that's not the right term to use but do you get what I mean someone who like in in like like in Nigeria, uh, so she went back. Okay. She had the whole ceremony. She had to shave her head. They had like a whole ceremony when they were all like wearing white at nighttime. Something to do with like chicken blood, like all of the the traditional things. People are actually going back and practicing that because there is a very interesting aversion to Christianity by black by black people or by Africans, African descendants, or whatever. And a lot of Christians don't want to hear it but I think it's an important conversation to have. And I think it's one to have, dare I say, with an open mind. Right. I think we're so, we're so happy that it is finished. And me too, I'm happy that it's finished. <laughs> but yeah. for some of us, it's so finished that we don't want to have any conversations about anything else. And it's not because it is finished. It's because we're too scared about what we can be introduced to. We don't really believe that our faith in God is strong enough for us to hear about this new thing and still believe in God. It's like what we spoke about episodes ago when it was like um, learning about other things can affirm your beliefs. Like we, we shy away from science yeah, yeah. because we're scared we're going to become horoscope babes. No, you can actually just learn about it and still be okay if you're really about that Christian life. <laughs> like mm. God can do anything and he can teach. But this is the thing. <laughs> Lots of people don't want to test themselves. Like they're not willing to... <laughs> They're not willing to find out and see, you know what I mean? Because you might find out and see and pack your load and leave. Um, and I think a lot of Christians are fearful. Like a lot of Christians are fearful of, of traditional practices and traditional beliefs, whether we want to admit it or not. I know there's a handful of that are not, they don't really care. Like they're ready to cast out any demon at any point. Yeah. But there are a, a, a big percentage of people that are fearful and would just prefer not to explore and learn more about it maybe based on what their parents have told them or what they've yeah. grown up hearing and seeing um and so yeah they're not really really interested in that but yeah I do agree in the sense that there's no point coming you know being open-minded is really like a gift like it, it allows you to see things from new perspectives and even like even when you just said it now I was thinking oh my gosh you know what's Defla what tangent is Defla taking us on now but hearing what you just said now makes sense to me in the sense that sometimes if you do have a family member or people you know or documentaries you watch of people practicing spiritual spiritualism, your go-to is like, oh, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Like they need to change their life or whatever. They don't know what you know. They don't have, they may not have access to what you have access to. And maybe they do, but they still choose another way. Um, and I think people should really bear that in mind, to be honest. Yeah, bear that in mind. And it's so funny because like one thing um about life is that everybody wants to hear a yes everybody wants mm. things to go their way everybody wants to believe that what they are doing is right or that they'll be corrected at least or rightfully corrected to now go in this in the right direction so everyone wants to believe that what they believe in is the right thing to believe in and yeah when you when you're like I just think of it like different bubbles right different bubbles of religion different bubbles of belief relationships whatever with whatever deity you believe in God included right mm-hmm. when you're in that Christian bubble which we also refer to all the time obviously God is your be all and your end all obviously God yeah. is the best your faith is the best thing everybody should believe in that 
but there are other bubbles out there. And when you begin to interact with them, I don't know if you should, maybe I'm wrong, but you can't just for one second, just consider that there is just a room full of bubbles right now. And Christianity is just one of those bubbles. In other words, in terms of systems of belief and in terms of religions, Christianity is just one of many. And it's inside that, that God is your real and your end. It's inside that, that God is the ruler of all of these other bubbles. Do you get what I mean? But if there was a list of religions in this world, Christianity would be at M, would be at C, Islam would be at I, Baha'i would be at B. As in, it's just part hmm. of the list. And inside that, that's when everything begins to open up. That's where God is. Oh my gosh, God is amazing. Ruler of everything, creator of the heavens and the earth, Alpha and Omega. But it's right, a right. religion. And obviously it's inside that that we start to understand, okay, it's actually a relationship. But that's because you believe that as a Christian who is letter C on the list of other faiths. Do you get what I mean? Like mm. in the grand scheme of things, Christianity is still perceived largely as a religion. People aren't going to talk about Christianity and be like, yes, the relationship between God and man. They're going to say the religion, Christianity. <laughs> that's what they're going to say. <laughs> they don't care about your relationship. Right. So when yeah. I think of it like that, I'm like, okay, so there's Christianity, there's other religions, there's also things like religious practices. I even hesitate to call it voodoo and witchcraft at this point because they have their own names, okay? It's not just witchcraft, it's not just voodoo, it has a name the same way that our faith has a name as well. And inside of that, there are different systems of belief or whatever. Do you get where I'm going? So I just feel like we need to sometimes consider who we are on the scheme, on the, on the grand scale of like religions and systems of belief and understand mm. that everybody here believes that what they believe in is their be and end all. And you are part of that crowd as a Christian. You can believe God saved your soul and I do believe that. But I also believe that there are other people out there who believe that what they believe in is the only thing to believe in the same way that I do. And I think when mm. you're able to do that, you're a lot more receptive or you're not more willing to understand where people are coming from because you know that just like you, this is their be-all and their end-all. This is everything to them. And mm. I think when you do that, mm. you, stop, you stop looking down on other religions because Jesus never looks down on people. He literally sat down and he listened and he understood and he tries to walk in people's shoes. In fact, he did walk in people's shoes. He walked on our shoes so much that he was killed for how terrible we all are. So he knows what it means to be a Christian. <laughs> To get what, to be a human being, so yeah, now look down at everything else because God saved. Like fair enough, God saved you, yeah, but that's your bubble. Like consider how other people interact with what they believe in and listen to them. That's not going to mm. stop you from believing in God. It shouldn't stop you because if you're really about it, nothing will ever stop you from believing in God. As far as I'm concerned, so let's think about. That. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's just, ponder on that. <laughs> yeah. So when I say like respect other religions, I'm like just understand that this is one of many systems of belief, the same way that Christianity is, the same way that this other religion is. I'm not saying, I'm not saying stay out of the bubble and just go and now do this Islam today, this tomorrow, that the next day, like always go back to your bubble, you know, be renewed there. But when it comes to interacting with people with other beliefs, you need to understand that right now, we are just people that believe different things. And my religion is not necessarily superior to any other belief right now because it's just one of many but when I go back into my bubble I can remember that God is the lover of my soul and I'm going to be with him one day in heaven do you get yeah, what I mean? Me. But I think the reason why a lot of Christians and myself included probably disagree with what you've just said now is because there's the truth and then there's everything else do you get what I mean? So well, there could be seven million bubbles of Ephelah 
there's only one bubble that matters. Because at the end of the day, if, if we're all being truthful and all is said and done and we're stripping everything back, we believe in the gospel message. We believe that the only way to the Father is through Jesus. And so even though all these other bubbles exist, we're trying to pop these bubbles and get people out of these bubbles to come into the one true bubble. Do you know what I mean? And it's not about superiority. It's not about us thinking yeah. that we're better, but it's about us knowing that we have the truth and we want other people to know the truth. And so we're not just going to sit back in our bubble and be like, oh, well, I don't want to interfere in that bubble because, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful or anything. And I'm not saying that we should judge them or feel that we're superior. I, I do think sometimes as the church, we do have that issue of feeling like, oh, I constantly have to just let people know that, you know, what you believe is like this and what I believe is the real thing. But I think that when you acknowledge that you're living in truth, it should be reflective in your behavior and you should be, you should have a desire for other people to know the truth that you know. Yeah. Um, and so I think that pe- people, yeah, are aware that there's obviously a lot of people just view Christianity as another religion on the list. But for us that really believe and know that this is the truth, we're definitely going to want people to know the truth. I think sometimes these labels and all these things are insignificant. Something is either true or it's not. It's either a fact or it's, it either happened or it didn't. Jesus, either, either Jesus came or he didn't come. Either he rose again on that day or he didn't. It's, <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that. Yeah, okay. And it's as simple as either you believe or you don't. Um, but I do think that there are complexities to it. And sometimes we do view other religions outside of ourselves as, oh, you just don't, you just don't know, you know, you just haven't been saved yet. And so, but it's a bit more um, complicated than that. And I think it's our job to really show people what it means to be a Christian and why the truth matters and why jesus is the truth yeah I, I agree with that i do get what you mean i think it's, it's most important that you remember what your anchor is this is for christians that i'm speaking to obviously right now it's important mm-hmm. that you remember that your anchor is in christ that you remember where your bubble is and you shimmy on back there and you remain, <laughs> you remain in that bubble but i think don't for a second forget that yeah. you are speaking to the world and we're under the assumption that the world does not know god and if that's what you understand, if that's what you believe to be true, sometimes you need to see the world the way the world sees it. And the world sees Christianity as just another religion. Mm-hmm. They don't care about what you see as the ultimate truth because they don't believe in God anyway. Who <laughs> 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 cares about your truth? If you refuse to understand that they don't care about your truth, I don't know how you're ever going to get on the same page as them to even speak about God in the first place. Mm. Like sometimes we'll speak to people about God and we'll just be using this biblical lingo that no one understands. If I said yeah, to someone yeah. on the street, oh yes, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> like, can, you, can you just, I'm not saying, can you just try to put yourself in my shoes the way that Jesus Christ did and do it right? I'm not saying don't believe what you believe in. I'm saying consider my perspective. But yeah, I think we're agreeing yeah. from, like, from like different like directors like it's just about being respectful of other people and not being so superior I think people see Christianity as like oh gosh well yeah I guess it is the best thing ever but it shouldn't really come across as aggressive and like <laughs> can we say it's the best thing ever it shouldn't come yeah, across yeah. As like aggressive and arrogant and I just I would really I really really hate to play into that um that annoying Christian trope that's superior because people see it. Do you remember the tweet I sent to you yesterday about 
someone just like speaking about how they perceive Christians like the world is actually looking at Christians and a lot of the time they're put off by our Mm. behavior and I think it's because we don't always Mm. consider we don't always consider how the world perceives us obviously we're not supposed to let that dictate our lives like oh but they're going to think this about me so I'm going to be quiet I'm not saying that I'm saying don't be so tone deaf I think I said this last episode too don't be so tone deaf like it is good to be aware about how you are perceived so you can act accordingly and continue to spread the good news in a way that's actually going to be productive and actually bring people to Christ because a lot of the methods that we use are yeah, very, yeah, yeah. very um, exclusionary and we think they're inclusionary or inclusive but they're not yeah. and that needs to change yeah yeah no I, I totally agree with that and I think that um a lot of us what we do a lot of is like I want to see this person come to Christ and I'm going to evangelize and I'm going to tell them about the gospel. Um, and without doing that, without really caring about the person or loving them, like you just want to shove the gospel down their throat and move on to the next, <laughs> dare I say, move on to the next victim <laughs> because of the way you're doing it in this bashful nature. Yeah. But I think it's really more about loving people and people don't want to hear this because loving people is exhausting and it's tiring at times. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is. it's what we're called to we're called to love um and so will you love people even if if god was to tell you this person right here is never going to listen to you never going to get saved (laughs) will you still love them or will you feel like a waste of time let me focus on loving someone who i know is actually (laughs) who i know is actually going to accept christ no like you're supposed to love people anyway Hmm. regardless and maybe one of our big issues is we, we just don't like loving people in those other bubbles i love this analogy of the bubbles because it literally makes so much sense to me i hope it makes sense to the listeners oh i hope so because <laughs> we're only forcing people to get out of the bubbles whilst god has called us to speak to the bubbles and be like hey you need to you need to come to the one bubble that's popping <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> we don't you, you know you can't you can't force you can't force anything to be honest if Um, god is not forcing us then how about you you said this last episode you were literally like oh um you could obviously do your bit by speaking to somebody about god telling them about how jesus died for them etc but you can't make that change in their heart you can't do left foot right foot to the altar you can't put your hand (laughs) on their ankles and say all right now okay you can't do that you that's, can't. Always, that's always going to come from someone's heart so whatever and uh, literally I think a lot of uh, whilst I think it's amazing to just be about evangelism and preaching the gospel and all of that that's uh, what we're called to do there needs to be more of a heavier focus on discipleship cool there's a girl called Jessica she met Larry on the road he you know told her about the gospel she gave her life where's Jessica going now mm. discipleship is really what builds Christians and builds Christians for longevity. And I was listening to a sermon today and what was being said is that the devil obviously came to kill, steal and destroy. And when he came, I guess the the gist of what they were trying to say was it's very easy to destroy a seed, much harder to destroy a tree. So a lot of people struggle in their faith at seed level or when they're just growing because it's so easy to just get rid of it you can quickly get a seed and just dash it but by the time you destroy a tree Mm. (laughs) there's a lot of effort that's gone into that number one number two the tree (laughs) the tree has already produced fruit Mm -hmm. and there's seeds in that fruit that has now planted so now that you would rather destroy at seed level before it starts growing influencing producing 
Low battery. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're gonna have to put a disclaimer. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, with all in all, yeah, I just really liked that analogy. I thought it was really good. It really spoke to me, and I think that people need to be more focused on discipleship and actually producing trees, producing people that are gonna bear good fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's on period. <laughs> That's a period. period. This is the So You Can Relate podcast. I think we've really spoken over our limit today for this <laughs> episode. I feel like we're pushing a good hour and a half. What? Yeah, I didn't even. I, didn't I don't know even... when we started recording. I didn't look at the time. So. Me too. And it's almost six o'clock. But I was thinking in my head, we can do part one and two anyway. Yeah, so let's carry this on next week. Or just speak again next week. Um, do you have a current fave? Yes, I do. What's your current fave? My current fave for the week is this movie called Apocalypto. Have you okay. watched it? No, I haven't. Oh my goodness. So over the weekend, when was it? Last weekend, I think. I, uh, I was hanging out with my cousins, had a, an amazing time. And one of my cousins recommended a movie called Apocalypto. So I was like, okay, cool, let's watch the trailer. Watch the trailer, it seemed very weird. And I was just like, oh, am I going to really enjoy this movie? But I was just like, you know what? She said it's really good. And I, th- I feel like when people say something's really good, I try to trust them, like go with it. Yeah. Such an amazing movie. It's like an about, it's, it's like about when it did, uh, ah, English is not. <laughs> Have you seen that video? <laughs> but English the guy was like... <laughs> English is just winning. <laughs> English is just spicing me. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so it's, it's about an indigenous group of people. Um, I think they were Native Americans. Um, and it's like this really cool story of, I don't really want to spoil it for you guys, but essentially what happens is there's a group of people and they're being overtaken by another group, another indigenous group. And it's kind of like them fighting for their territory and their people, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, I feel like the way it ends as well, really ties in well into this conversation we had about, um, just about culture and about interracial relationships and all of that. But I, oh. I feel like for me to say that, it would spoil it. So I don't well, want to go to okay, the Okay, spoil it, because that sounds good. I'm going to watch that. No, watch it. It's so, so good. It's on Amazon Prime. So I think it's 99p. It's really worth the one pound, honestly. It's really good. Um, And it's in, it's not in English. So you have to read the subtitles, but it's worth it. You get used to it. Um, So yeah, that's my favorite of the week. Cool. Okay. Uh, What's mine? So mine is this YouTube channel. I hope I pronounced his name right, but he's this Ghanaian YouTuber called Wodemaya. Do you know about him? (laughs) Yeah. I. He will literally go to like, why are you laughing? <laughs> he literally goes. Because, anyway, go on, t- tell your part first. <laughs> I just love his videos and he goes to different places in Africa. He went to China for a while, like a couple years ago, I think, and made bad chi- videos like, oh, being black in China, something like that. Anyways, so he goes to different like places in Africa, usually Ghana, but a few like countries around um, the continent. And he usually like meets entrepreneurs and people who are doing really amazing things like for their community or like starting or living interesting lives. Um, and he just interviews them and the videos are all like maybe 20 minutes long. And he's such a good interviewer. And all the people he interviews are such interesting 
life-loving individuals. And every time I watch his videos, I just want to move back, back, like I've been there. I just want to move to Nigeria. Like I want to move yeah. to Africa and just spend the rest of my life there. But I know that's easier said than done. I know there's a lot to deal with when you get there. There's so much madness happening there right now. Um, but yeah, um, I just love his channel and it just makes me feel really optimistic for the future of Africa. And it makes me feel like this is the kind of Africa I want people to see, which sounds so cliche. But it's, not, it's not even the like it's not the mansions Africa it's not the poverty Africa it's like mm-hmm. Africa of people that are like I don't want to say it like but like normal people because we're actually always told you're either stinkingly rich or stupidly poor but there were just normal people who are doing extraordinary things and he always yeah on his channel so I think people should go and watch his videos like I really really like them oh I hear that no the reason the reason why I was laughing was the first time I ever saw his channel was through, um, it was a video that came up. It was on his channel, actually. And it was about this couple. Um, they're actually called E and Manka. I don't know if people watch them. They, have, they used to have a YouTube channel together. Um, and their story was that it was a couple, a guy and a girl, and the guy went to prison for like, I think maybe like three years. And she stuck by him. You know, she stuck by her man, bridal dad. Um, long story short, he got deported. So as soon as he finished his sentence, he was deported and they decided that they were going to move back to Ghana and she was going to move there with him. Mind you, she's young. Like, I think she was like 23 when she moved to Ghana. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, wow, like, I just thought you're giving up your whole entire life for a guy, you know, for your boyfriend to move back to Ghana because now he's been deported from the UK, which I thought was very, very, very sacrificial. Um, And then so this guy was interviewing them, just talking about life in Ghana and how, like, you can really prosper in Ghana. And I remember him saying in the video, like, you know, when this video uploads, you're going to get so many subscribers because they had a YouTube channel. And I was laughing. I was like, really? Lo and behold, his subscribers went and supported them. Like, he has really good, like, people supporting him because they went and supported them straight away, which is lovely. Um, But yeah, now I've seen a few of his videos and he just seems like a really funny guy. Yeah, he's so, he's so funny. And he's just so, like, optimistic and just generally good vibes. So, 100%. I like his channel. Okay, guys, so... This has been episode, oh, is episode 24, I think? Episode 24, yes. I think, of uh, the So You Can Relate podcast. Thank you for chilling hey. with us. We hope you uh, learned something from today. We hope you laughed with us. Hope you could relate above all. Uh, please continue to listen, continue to share. Thank you guys for the love that you sent to us. We appreciate you. And um, we will speak to you next week. I have been Adefala. And it's been your girl, Joyce. Bye.